When I called her name, it was as if only the faint odor of her perfume occupied the urgent darkness of the house. Evis? Evis? I swore softly. The electric traveler's clock hummed on the living room desk. Out in the kitchen, the refrigerator surged to life with a nervous shudder. Evis! Sometimes when I came home late from the shop, she would be napping with the lights out. I left the front door, went into the bedroom, and flipped the wall switch. The bed, with its frilled midnight blue spread that had cost $79.95, was empty and untouched. Hot and worried as I was, I still didn't dare think. The whiskey was pretty well burned out of me, but a headache had started pounding along the temples. It was like a small voice whispering, No, no, no. I knew if she had phoned the printing shop, I'd have heard the ring. I stared at that damned bed. The bed of the damned. Why in Christ's name had I gone back to the shop to sleep it off? Why had I got drunk? Why hadn't I come home? I turned toward the kitchen. Evis? I heard myself laugh with my mouth closed, and as the chill glare of neon quivered bright, I saw the remains of a half-eaten bologna sandwich on the white enamel table. Under a brimming cup of cold coffee, a gray-black caterpillar of cigarette ash curled over the saucer's edge. Moving closer, I dipped a finger into the coffee, and the caterpillar shattered. The coffee wasn't even lukewarm. I stood there saying her name. My head cleared a little, but inside my chest, something began to break. In the living room, I snapped on the floor lamp by the console. Something was wrong. Oh, sweet yes, yes, yes. It was as if there were something I should recall. My head was throbbing. I had assured her this noon at lunch downtown that we weren't going through with the robbery. Her crazy plan for falsifying errors on the monthly books at Braddock and Cortland where she worked, then staying overtime and getting Ray Jeffries out of the office, away from the safe so I could come in and help her, the whole damn thing was cockeyed and wrong. She had me blind. But angry as she was, she knew I meant it. I started for the phone and saw the sheet of paper. Pale blue with a modest silver border. Evis's special stationery. I reached out for it, hoping it wouldn't sting. Well, Sullivan, I thought, she couldn't take being told no. You got her mad. You always knew it would happen. You love her, but that's not enough. I read the long, slanting handwriting in amber ink. Lee, darling, so sorry I missed you at supper, but I was in a fearful rush anyway, so it probably doesn't matter. I'll be working overtime tonight. It seems there's some sort of error in the monthly totals. But I won't bother you with that. Pick me up around 8.30. I should be through by then. See you, honey. Evis. I began to curse her. And myself, too. Rooted there, staring at her fine little note, I was going off in all directions. Telephoning wouldn't be enough. She was willful, overwrought, and I knew now a little crazy in a lot of ways. I had to reach her, stop her before she did this thing. 
The little trigger in her brain that should scare her about the law was missing. I loved her for that, too. I loved her, even knowing what she was. It wasn't eight o'clock yet. Maybe there was time.